Texas has a, a little football game this weekend in DKR, don't they, Mike? Yeah, we picked a good week to start the podcast because we've got some uh, juicy, uh, juicy stuff to work with. <laughs> gotcha. So let's. let's- Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state watching and talking to blue chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. Mike, let, how you doing today, bud? I'm good, Bobby. I'm glad to uh, be joining you. This should be fun. Yeah, it should be fun. Let's let's uh, go ahead and dive right in a little bit and talk about what uh, we want to do with this podcast and, and maybe how it compares uh, to other podcasts that uh, we currently do. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, once, um, once I took the full-time role with, with, uh, Horns 24 seven, I think that, you know, I've always liked the podcast medium because it allows us to expand a little bit on, on what we write and allows us to directly interact with readers a little more. And, um, you know, been looking for, for something to do and, and kind of the right fit for it. And I've done, and we'll still do a guest spot on Jeff Howe's Longhorn Blitz, but you know, this is really going to be a forum for us to be able to get uh, deeper into recruiting, um, and, and just kind of talk about that. So if you just want to hear recruiting stuff, um, and how it relates to the team, I think that's what we're going to be able to do here um you know i'll like bobby said i'll have the the day-to-day boots on the ground knowledge but you know bobby is is one of the the godfathers of the industry basically is going to have a, a larger historical perspective and and be able to speak from experience on so many things yeah if you want to get uh more longhorn information certainly uh, subscribe to the longhorn blitz as one of those podcasts you can find and subscribe the, to these podcasts at 247sports.com forward slash podcast. Uh, for those of you out there listening and just trying a podcast for the first time or listening in on this one. Uh, from my perspective, Mike, uh, I want this to be a what I would call a deeper dive into recruiting and from a, a Longhorn perspective. I think that it's easy for a lot of fans to follow commitments, decommitments, the major news uh, of a of a recruiting uh, of a recruitment of a single player or even of a, a single class for a team, but really what what I'd like us to do is try to figure out and, and talk about the nuances of recruiting as well as the the big picture, um, and so that means that uh, sometimes it's it's going to be short and sweet. I mean, it, the, you know, and sometimes it's going to be more long and drawn out. Uh, and what I think you'll be able to find on this program or in this podcast is we're not going to be talking just to talk to ourselves. If there's something to talk about, we'll, we'll say it and, uh, uh, either agree or disagree and, and then move on. Uh, but I, I absolutely would hope, uh, that it becomes the, uh, uh, most authoritative podcast on Longhorn football recruiting that there is. And, uh, that's, that's my goal, uh, personally with this. All that being said, let's get on to the to the good stuff now. Um, Texas has a, a little football game this weekend in DKR, don't they, Mike? 
Yeah, we picked a good week to start the podcast because we've got some uh, juicy, uh, juicy stuff to work with here. <laughs> gotcha. So let's let's start with uh, Texas having a, a, a host of visitors uh, as LSU comes calling. In fact, uh, Director of Recruiting Ops uh, Brian Carrington uh, tweeted yesterday that there are no more visit spots available for uh, for recruits to to just totally stop tweeting him or. Or whatever, he can't get you any more tickets. So it's that kind of uh, that kind of game for the Longhorns, and when it comes to recruiting, yeah, just a huge visitor list. And you know, I mean, I one thing to start off with is anytime we put up a list, just know, um, you know, it's, that may not be the complete list. That's kids we talk to and confirm with. There may be other kids coming who we're not aware of, or and you know, we try to gather that information as the week goes on. So I think we've got about nearly 50 kids on our list on on Horns 24/7. There will be more than that, but we just haven't confirmed them or got those names yet. So uh, you know, I think everybody tends to overreact a little about the list. We just kind of want to give you a, a preview of it. So. Let's start in 2020. Um, That's mainly going to be about the 2020 class coming in, a lot of uh, of members of the 2020 class coming in. I think only three or four are not going to be able to make it. Um, And and, uh, aside from them, there's only one, maybe two real uncommitted prospects or prospective commits that they're looking at. Um, Ty Jordan, the running back from West Mesquite, has confirmed with me that he will be there. Um, if he's there, he's going to be kind of the guy everyone's looking at in that 2020 class. He's one of the last few missing pieces from that group. And, um, you know, he's he's expected to be on the list. And, and I assume if he is, he's going to be kind of swarmed by everybody, um, help, you know, trying to help Texas recruit. Uh, Ty Jordan grew up with Jaquin and Jackson. He went to junior high with him. So um, those two do know each other. They're going to probably talk some more and um, things are trending very well with Ty Jordan in that group. Um, outside of him, there may be one or two guys we're waiting on confirmation for before I can say a name. Um, but really, you know, the 2020 class is, is almost wrapped up at this point. Yeah, just looking for the numbers that uh, that you've reported, Mike. It looks like 13 of the 18 commitments will be on campus for the class of 2020. Uh, the two two of the out-of-state guys won't be there, and Bijan Robinson um, and Van Fillinger, uh, the uh, Bijan, the running back from Tucson, and Fillinger, the defensive lineman out of uh, the Salt Lake City area. Um, and then the other couple, uh, Keaton Crawford and Logan Parv, they both have games this weekend. Jaden Hullaby, uh, the running back, Type H back uh, out of the the Metroplex. Uh, you haven't. He's the only one you haven't been able to confirm. Is that correct? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't heard back from him on on if he's coming or not. I would expect him to be there, but I'm not going to put him on the list until I get uh, you know a, a firm commitment from him. Yeah, I think that's. It's always good to be better safe than sorry in those those scenarios. Um, and then maybe noticeably absent on this list is a probably one of the bigger name. Uh, bigger names still out there, and that's uh, Alfred Collins, the defensive end out of Bastrop, that whose mom played basketball at, at Texas under Jody Conrad. Right, I saw Alfred last week actually um, on Friday night, and uh, he is he was at at Texas for the Louisiana Tech game. For that reason, is uh, he is going to Oklahoma for his official visit this week, um, so he wouldn't be able to make it to the LSU game. Um, so he wanted to make it in for the for the Louisiana Tech game. Uh, I think you know 
hindsight being 2020 and all, he'll probably look back and say, I wish I'd have gone to Texas LSU instead of Oklahoma and South Dakota State, I think they're playing. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll have a good time on his official. But, yeah, that's uh, that's the reason he'll be missing from it. Yeah, you don't – in other words, you don't think that him not being there is indicative of a, a lack of interest on his part in Texas, correct? No, I think that, you know, they've had these things scheduled and, and they're very firm about, you know, sticking to their word on when they schedule a visit, they're going to take it. Gotcha. So, that, so, and you also mentioned Ty Jordan earlier, the running back out of West Mesquite, and you said Jaquindon Jackson, just for those people that don't know, Jaquindon Jackson is a quarterback athlete type that led Duncanville to the state championship final in that heartbreaking loss they had to, to North Shore, uh, and Jackson is already committed to the Longhorns as well. Like I said, it looks like 13 or 14 of the 18 commitments uh, that Texas has in the class of 2020 will be in Austin this weekend. So, And just a little uh, breaking news on the pod. I actually just got a com- uh, confirmation back from Jaden Holoby that he will be there. Okay, gotcha. So it's 14 of 18. That's that's a, a strong group, especially when two of them that are missing are going to be out of, are from out of state, and then the other two actually have games on, on Saturday. Um Mike, fast forward a li- We can always come back because we know there's other guys that Texas is still looking like, looking at in 2020, and I want to deal with that in another segment. Let's fast forward to 2021. Um, Texas already has seven commitments there, uh, including Jaden Milrow, the quarterback uh, out of uh, the Houston area, Katie Tompkins, uh, Quay Davis, the receiver out of Skyline, uh, and another number of other uh, highly touted players. I'm looking at that list. All seven of the 2021 commitments are expected in, but there are other guys that you and I were talking about uh, prior to this podcast off air, um, and you wanted to go over some of those guys and, and really talk about some of them and uh, start with LJ Johnson, the the running back out of Cypher. Yeah, I think everybody's eyes are on Kamar Wheaton in the 2021 class at running back. And um, I mean, with with uh, good reason, he is a, a highly ranked running back. But I think there's a chance LJ Johnson ends the cycle uh, as the highest ranked running back in Texas once it's all said and done. Uh, he's more of a fit, I think, for what Texas does. If you want a, a comparison, I think he compares more favorably to a guy like Eno Benjamin, who is a, kind of a shorter body, a pinball type player. Maybe doesn't have the obvious physical traits, but is just a really natural runner. And uh, that's what LJ Johnson is. And, um, you know, Texas offered him. Uh, during the summer or during, I guess, late spring. Um, and, and from what I hear, you know, everything's going well in that recruitment. Texas is, has certainly put themselves in a good spot in that recruitment. So he's obviously going to be, a, you know, a really important uh, prospect on campus. Well, what about the also coming in this weekend, the Brockermeyer twins? Is that correct? Yeah, huge news. Um, so for, for those listening in the Austin area, if you're looking for something to do on Friday night, the Brockermeyers are playing Austin Regents in Austin. Um, and since they're going to be in town, they're going to stay over and go to the game. Of course, their brother Luke um, is on the team, and they, they want to go see him play. They want to visit. Um, they've been just about all over the country. Um, haven't been to Austin since the spring game, I believe. So you know, really good to get them back on campus. I think too many times people – uh, count these legacies as slam dunks, and, and this by no means is. I mean, it's 
these guys really love some of the national prestigious schools they've seen, like Clemson and, and Alabama, uh, Michigan, Notre Dame. Uh, you know, those schools really stick out to them as as uh, appetizing for offensive linemen when it comes to development. I think if Texas were to be able to, I mean, Texas is always going to be in a good spot with the Brocker Myers because of their family history. But I think if Texas were able to come out and win and play pretty physically up front and kind of manhandle LSU's defensive line, I think that would go a really, really long way. I, manhandling LSU's defensive line, I don't know that anybody's done that in recent memory. But that, <laughs> I think – Well, that, at, uh, least, at least prove <laughs> competent against them, I guess, I would yeah, say. I think that's fair. So, strange story, but I, I actually went to school with their dad, Blake Brockermeyer, first-round pick of the Denver Bron- – or Carolina Panthers? I can't remember whether it was the Panthers or the Broncos – but uh, Blake played at Texas, and he's now an assistant on staff at SMU. Uh, and I have to say I would be surprised and shocked if uh, the Brockermeyer twins chose anybody but Texas, given that I, I remember uh, Blake Brockermeyer standing on a table when he was 18 years old in the middle of a gesture uh, center and singing the Eyes of Texas with nothing but the, a pair of shorts on. So there's that to, to remember. Um <laughs> Talk, talk to me about a couple of the other offensive linemen uh, here, Donovan Jackson and Savi- Savion Bird. Yeah, so just, I mean, we've we've talked at length on the website about how talented this offensive line class is in 2021. And, uh, you know, they're going to get a few of those guys on campus. To me, you're looking at kind of opposites, but but both really elite prospects. Savion Bird is is all projection. He's a six foot six, two hundred and sixty five ish pound offensive tackle who is as athletic as they come. Um, and if he projects to where we think he can, I mean, he could be an all world tackle. He reminds me of a guy like Tyron Smith that's just built like a rock. There's not an ounce of fat on him. He moves so quickly. Whereas Donovan Jackson is more of a known quantity, but what we know about him is, is really strong. You know I mean? He came to the opening as a, as a junior um, and competed against incoming seniors and, and won the offensive line MVP and frankly was, was pretty dominant. Um, that one's a, a race that Texas really has to make up ground in. You know, Donovan Jackson is a kid that I think, if you had to ask me right now, if I'm putting down money in Vegas, is headed out of state. I would guess either Stanford, Ohio State. Um, but, you know, any chance to get those guys on campus is always huge for Texas. And uh, they haven't had Donovan Jackson on campus in quite a while. So um, it was big news when, when his father confirmed with me that they would be there. Um, those are two guys that I think, you know, along with Hayden Connor, along with the Brocker Myers, if you were able to land, uh, you know, just those five guys, you would have, I think, one of the best offensive line classes in program history. What about the Hayden Con- Connor's teammate at, at Katie Taylor? He's not coming in or – no, Bryce Foster told me he will not be able to make it. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, Bird is from Duncanville. Jackson's from Bel Air in Houston. Uh, it, is, is there a, this strong offensive line class in 2021? Does it have any bearing on how whether or not Texas goes for another offensive lineman in the 2020 class or not really? I, I kind of think it does. I would say that Texas is probably almost out on taking another lineman in 2020 just because they can maybe take up to six in 21. And uh, there's certainly the talent to do it. You know, I've said that Oklahoma, Texas and A&M could probably all take four to five man classes out of the state and feel pretty good about what they get. 
and, and you know, each get their four or five from in-state. That's how deep the, and good this class is. Um, and so I think Texas is, is right now saving up what they've got for, um, you know, for 21. Gotcha. What about the, the two big names on the defensive line in 2021? One from Texarkana, the other from, uh, again, from Katie. Yeah, so Landon Jackson, again, hasn't been on campus in, in a bit, but was trending really strongly to Texas during the spring. A&M has been, and Arkansas have been able to make up a little bit of ground there. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty tight three-way, three-way race between those schools. Did, didn't, but, you go up and, didn't you go up and see him last week or week before last? It was a couple weeks ago. In fact, I'm sitting here staring at my Pleasant Grove hat that I got on that <laughs> visit. And, uh uh, love the program up there at, in Texarkana and, and Landon is, um, a really a freakishly massive kid, six foot six, about 240 pounds. Um, and, and really coming back from a knee injury, but Texas will be able to get him back on campus. Um, he's never been shy about how much he likes Texas and, um, you know, but he's been to A&M a lot more frequently than he has been to, to Texas over the last couple of months. So it's good to kind of stem that. And then, Tamishi Adelier from Katie Tompkins. He's Jalen Milrow's um, teammate. I think Texas is running at a deficit there a little bit, and, and I think that scheme fit is playing against them. These defensive linemen just don't like down fronts or three down fronts, and uh, I think it plays against Texas a little bit in this race. But you know, I'm the thing, and I and I'd like to work on something on this, but I think just getting off on a tangent, this Todd Orlando defense is becoming less and less about rigidity when it comes to positions. And um, I think positions are extremely fluid right now in this position, uh, in this defense, when you look at the way he plays somebody like Joe Osai. So I think that's a, a pitch they could potentially make to, to Michelle Adelier, who is a, a fantastic defensive end prospect. I think Alabama's got some run there. I think that, um, uh, A&M will have some run there. Uh, those are a couple schools that will probably factor in Ohio State, uh, you know, ahead of Texas right now. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. I mean, I, I went to the game on uh, Saturday and, and watched Texas play half the half the snaps with eight DBs on the field on defense. Um, right. It, it was certainly a bend but don't break effort. Uh, but when you have DeMarvey and Overshown essentially playing a, an underneath linebacker role, uh, it, it tells you, in DeMarvian's a natural safety, uh, it, it tells you exactly what uh, Texas is trying to do with taking, un- taking on the underneath routes and, and taking those things away and, and at least limiting big plays. Um, speaking of linebackers, Derek Harris is already committed. Derek Harris Jr., I should say, since I followed the recruitment of his dad. Back in the oh, day. really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And so Derek Harris Jr. is already committed. Uh, he's out of the Houston area. Uh, any other linebackers of note coming in uh, that are 22 yeah, right, right now, all we've got uh, down is Clayton Smith from Texarkana, Texas High. Um, Clayton is a, a, a really big, freaky kind of prospect. Um, he does have some, some – Great link to him, about 6'3", 6'4", 215 or so. I think he could be a B-backer. I think he could play inside at, at Rover. I think he's a lot like Joe Osai in the way that you can kind of move him around and, and do a lot. So, um, you know, Arkansas has been kind of coming on strong there, as they will with just about any East Texas prospect having a Jeff Trailer on, on board. But um, I think Texas has, has kind of been in the driver's seat since they offered. Okay, and, and defensive backs that are coming in? 
Uh, Ishmael Ibrahim, a cornerback from Dallas Kimball, uh, is probably, for me, one of the top cover corners in the state of Texas. Uh, was offered by Texas in, in the summer, uh, came up for stars at night and made his very first visit to Austin. Um, he's expected to be back on campus this week. And I think Texas is kind of battling with A&M at this point, but I think uh, Texas has the juice to, to kind of push past them. And then J.D. Coffey, the safety from Kennedale, uh, he's been on campus about a million times. I think Texas is far and away the leader for for J.D. Coffey. Uh, I was actually, I've got a buddy on staff at Kennedale and was just talking with him about J.D. this morning. And, you know, he was just telling me, um, you know, as good as J.D. is on the field, and he is a really versatile, physical, ball-hawking kind of guy at safety, uh, you know, he told me, you know, basically that he's been really impressed with his attitude as a junior and that, you know, he said, we're not very good this year. And JD's attitude's been perfect. And, you know, he's been a good leader about it. And um, so uh, really a great kid and, and a kid Texas is, is very interested in. Gotcha. And then uh, I guess some athletes that are also what which would I guess we would categorize them as athletes, but uh, they, they actually are going to end up in a individual position. But uh, guys like Jojo Earl out of Alito. Juan Davis uh, out of Everman, Jatavian Sanders out of uh, Denton, I believe, and Billy Bowman, also from uh, the Denton schools. I, are you – those guys, two of those, Davis and Bowman, have already committed to Texas. Sanders and Earl, how, did, how does Texas sit uh, on those two blue-chip guys? Yeah, so um, JoJo Earl, I think Texas is is in a good, a really good spot for. You know, he he's wanting to stay close to home. So their their main competition is going to be TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. I, I think that's it. I think that's all the schools he told me. So they're really looking at a, a really regional battle and a battle they should win. I mean, Jojo Earl is a a perfect fit kind of for what they do at the H position in the slot. Um, and, and Texas has been pitching him on that. And so uh, I think that that um, you know just getting him back on campus, get a good environment, maybe a win really goes a long way to push that lead open even more. I would expect JoJo to be a longhorn by the by uh, the end of the year, the calendar year. Um, and then Jatavian Sanders is uh, a, a really just a crazy good athlete from Denton Ryan, a school that seems to produce crazy good athletes um, on a regular basis. And uh, one of the best pass rushers in the state, also a really good receiver. I mean, I could see him ending up as a tight end prospect, really. Uh, he's probably about six foot three, 225 right now. Um, and, you know, we can, I know we're going to, tease this a little later but he's a guy i would almost put on commitment watch this weekend uh teasing is right because that's going to be our next segment <laughs> uh but uh before we get off this one player that, i mean they're also i mean this texas recruiting efforts um go well beyond 2020 and 2021 they're also even looking forward to 2022 is there any without getting into hardcore names like we just did with the 2021 class. Is there any singular player in the 2022 class that you want to mention that's going to be there? Yeah, I think the biggest name is probably uh, – it's probably a tie between either Cam Dewberry from Atas Casita or Denver Harris from North Shore. Uh, Dewberry is probably going to be the top offensive tackle in that class um, and is a kid that Texas is already in a pretty heated battle with A&M for. And then Denver Harris, the, the North Shore cornerback, uh, camped everywhere and picked up an offer from just about everywhere he camped this summer. Uh, you know, you're talking about a six foot one, 180 kid right now as a sophomore – 
who's run and from I've verified at multiple camps, you know, four fours um, right now. So a really good athletic, another freak coming on North Shore. So uh, those are probably the two kids I would highlight on on our 22 list. All right. Well, as Brian Carrington said, there are no more visits uh, available, no more visitors available for you if you're uh, wanting to get to this game this weekend. Uh, and give us a, a second to pause here and get ready for the next segment, and we'll be right back more, with more on the State of Recruiting podcast. All right, welcome back to the State of Recruiting podcast. Last segment, we talked about uh, the visitors coming in this weekend for this mega LSU game, I guess is the best way to put it. I'm not – I, I want to say this as one final – mention uh i'm not sure in my 25 plus years of following recruiting at texas that there has been a bigger visit list for a game than this i mean there are literally 50 plus scholarship guys potentially that will be on campus for this one weekend that being said okay a lot of them have already committed who are a couple in your opinion, that might be what I would call on commitment watch for the Longhorns this week? I think anytime Ty Jordan is around campus, he's possibly on commitment watch. I think that Texas is, is it's been a really back and forth battle as they try to find their second running back in this class. And uh, Jordan is, um, you know, kind of the guy they've circled in on. He is a, a, a real speedster out of the backfield i think he can kind of even play some slot duty if they needed him to so they like a lot of his versatility and they've done a great job kind of getting back in on him um i you know he is very close to a decision he told our clint buckley that it's going to come in the next couple of weeks it's very easy to see you know him getting on campus and just deciding to to kind of end it at that point if you're looking for a guy in the 21 class, I mentioned him a little earlier, but Jatavian Sanders is is maybe a guy I would circle as, as a possibility to come out of this weekend committed. Teammates with Texas commit Billy Bowman. Um, he has, has always been high on Texas, told me when he was offered that basically his whole family – um, are Texas fans, and that's really you know what they grew up watching and, and rooting for. Um, so having him on campus with Bowman again, I think a lot of it depends on on the game outcome. You know, a really exciting environment. Kids tend to get swept up in those and make decisions. So those are the two names I would probably put on the radar right now. You, you know, I think that that those are those are both big name players for Texas, specifically running back as a need, uh, kind of that rearing its ugly head uh, this year with the the lack of depth at the position, uh, certainly being attractive to most people, even though Jordan wouldn't be able to help until next year. Uh, Texas does already have one running back recruit committed for next year, and that's B. John Robinson, the young man out of, out of Tucson. You know, I, I look at this and um, in, in the current list of commits. We've talked about 18 um, Mike, are there any other running backs out there that Texas might be interested in if the situation were right? You know, Texas chased uh, Jace McClellan, the Oklahoma commit from Alito for a while. Um, I think, obviously, if Jace McClellan calls up tomorrow and says, hey, I would like to commit, I think that that's a conversation they would very much like to have. Um, you know, and, and how does that affect Bijan Robinson, who's already committed? 
I'm not sure. I mean, I know that, you know, they kind of had a talk with Bijan when he was was close to committing to Ohio State and saying, hey, we thought you were gone. We moved on. We offered other guys and pursued other guys. Um, we're still looking for, uh, you know, a second running back. Um, so, you know, these are guys. We're, so maybe they could fit that. But um, outside of, of, of him, I think that's really it. I mean, it's, it's either Chase McClellan at this point, which I don't think it will be. I think the most logical thing is Ty Jordan. Gotcha. Um, that that makes complete sense. Uh, any other guys out there in 2020 that you're got your eye on? Other than we mentioned Alfred Collins, the defensive end from uh, Bastrop, but any other guys that are in 2020 that you've got your eyes on that Texas is still circling around on and tr- and trying to figure out if they can they can get them on campus and and possibly earn their pledge. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we're really coming down to it, man. And I, I can't remember the last time a class, I, I guess it would probably be under Mac Brown, maybe at the time a class was kind of wrapped up by this point in the season. Certainly didn't look like, uh, you know, that's where things were headed when uh, earlier in the year when everybody was freaking out. But we're really down to I mean, maybe three or four spots on this team uh, left. I mean, it was going to be a smaller class anyways. So just – Quickly, since there's only a few spots left, I think we could hit it position by position. Um, at receiver, uh, they've already got Quentin Johnson. I think that they're only going to take two. They might take three if the situation was right. But, um, again, it's a very tight class. So uh, you're really looking at a guy like L.V. Bunkley Shelton out of Gardenia, California's Junipero Serra program. Uh, he really impressed Texas at their their satellite camp in California this year. Uh, visited for the summer. I think Texas is in a really good sh- in really good shape there, and he's expected to be back for an official this fall. Um, and then, really, you know, kind of the developing story we've been following is is Jackson Smith Jigba, uh, an Ohio State commit who's expressed some interest in Texas uh, down the stretch. I think Texas in in Smith are, are kind of f- figuring each other out. Uh, they're kind of feeling each other out to see what the interest level is there. But wouldn't be surprised if, if they got him on campus for an official. And, and if they were, I think that that would be – I mean, obviously, anytime a kid's looking, you have a better than, than even chance, I would say, to, to flip him. Yeah, there's, uh, there's always – I'll just put it this way, Mike. There's this old saying in recruiting that, that uh, a commitment – is only a commitment if it's if it's it's if you're you're following through with it, you know. So if you're taking other visits, it's like being engaged to be married, but dating other women. Um, I think that if Smith Ningby does do that and does take other visits or is considering them, that that's that's means he's actually kind of open and doesn't mean that he's absolutely locked into any one school. My question is why the possible change of heart from Ohio State where he was committed early. Uh, I know he's out of Rockwall. Does proximity to home have something to do with that? Yeah, you know, I mean, every recruitment's different, so it's hard to say this blanket for every kid. But I think a lot of kids, the closer it gets to signing day, the more they – especially the ones that are committed to go far from home. The closer it gets to signing day, the more they start thinking about that and the more they start thinking about staying home um, and getting kind of some premature homesickness. And I think for for – Jackson, Texas has always been the school he's wanted. Um, you know, I think they were evaluating him when when he committed to Ohio State, so they really haven't pursued much since that point. Um, 
but I think for Jackson, Texas has always kind of been that school for him. So uh, not saying it's a done deal or anything, but I think Texas has a, a pretty good shot if they can get him on campus. Is Texas had continued conversation with uh, Calvante Dixon, who's Keontae Ingram's brother up in uh, Carthage? And he's currently committed to Arkansas, I believe, right? Right. Not that I'm aware of. I think that Texas chose to to move on. I don't think he was what they saw um, as a fit for, for what they want to do offensively. Um, so, uh, you know, with Calvante, I'll, I'll actually see him in a couple of weeks. He'll be playing um, Pleasant Grove when I'm going up there. Um, but I think for Calvante, uh, you know, he's – He's really uh, a guy that's probably just going to move on and do something different. Gotcha. Okay. Um, any other positions or any other guys you want to talk about? Yeah. So we talked about Alfred Collins, um, and and you know Texas is I think in a, in a very strong position for him. Um, and then outside of him, Laneith Whitehead, the uh, linebacker from Athens Academy. Uh, I think that's a long shot, but he is talking about using his last official visit on Texas and um, Athens, Georgia. By the way. Yeah, Athens, Georgia. Sorry, <laughs> you got, I forget. You, you have to you make the clarify that. Yes, <laughs> this is the the state of recruiting, yeah. and then yeah, um, and and so yeah, um, yeah, Athens, Georgia. I think Texas is is probably in a long shot for there, but he does want to use that that last official on them. And Bobby, you know, anytime you can get a kid on campus for an official, um, you know, that's obviously great news. Uh, outside of him, Josh White is a guy I think they're really working on. And, um, he's the, the LSU commit from Cypress Creek. I don't know, you know, where things kind of stand. I think publicly, if you talk to Josh, he'll tell you that he's all LSU. He's not listening to anybody. I think behind the scenes, it's a little different, but, um, I think that that's going to stay kind of a behind the scenes recruitment until something happens. If something happens, um, you know, he is not expected to be in this weekend. Um, and, and Texas has really been trying to work on him, but, uh, I don't, you know, it, it's it's hard to get a read on, on where everything sits right now. So uh, really, that's it. I mean, they've kind of filled out every other position. And I, I think they might be open to taking a flyer on a guy down the line if they have numbers. But really, that's that's the board. Gotcha. All right. I, I think that if you look at it, that means that. So you're saying Ty Jordan from 2020 is a possible commit list or commit watch guy this week. And Jatavian Sanders from 2021 are that those are the two guys to watch this weekend potentially. You're not calling for it to happen. You just think it might happen, um, right? You know, I want to I want to take a step back and and say some mention something that you talked about, and that was just how early Mac Brown filled up his classes compared to this class for Texas, and I and I think there's one key difference because I I was. I've been fairly um, critical of how Mac Brown recruited in his latter years at Texas because I felt like he filled up his his uh, commitment list too soon and actually didn't do enough uh, due diligence as late as possible as he could when he had the choice to do so in many instances. He, he instead just went ahead and, and got recruitments over with and, and didn't necessarily get the best players because of it. The difference today versus then and, and why I don't have a problem with, with Tom Herman's tactics are, are twofold. One, and, and this is the most obvious, there is now a December signing period. Before, it was a February signing period, 
and only a February signing period. So you actually had an extra two and a half months of uh, recruiting that you could had the time to watch a player through his entire senior year. That that uh, gap is gone. Uh, now, yeah, what is it, 80 to 85% of the kids are signing by December. Is that right, Mike? Somewhere in there? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge number. Like Tom Herman said at, at Big 12 Media Days, it's no longer early signing day. It's just signing day. And I, I think the one in February is late signing day almost. Yeah, gotcha. So so that's one big difference between Mac Brown's latter years and this, and this with what they're doing. The single biggest factor, in my opinion, um, and this goes to really preparedness and uh, believing in a system as a whole, and that's the sheer manpower that Texas puts towards recruiting and emphasis that Texas puts towards recruiting slash evaluation today compared to what they did even five to seven years ago. Um, Mac Brown literally had his assistants doing 95% of all evaluation. Today, Texas has, I think, 10 to 15 guys doing early evaluation, uh, getting, making sure that, that uh, the assistants are not only on the right player's around the state or are aware of all the players around the state so they can go check up on them, but also around the country. Uh, and that broadens the net or widens the net um, and, and makes uh, recruiting a, a, better, uh, a better outcome. So as you talk about that early commitments and why I don't have a problem with, with what Tom Herman has tried to do compared to with what Mac Brown did late in his career, those are the two overriding factors in favor of Tom Herman and, and how he's and, and his team and how he's uh, tackling the situation. Um, that being said, all is not uh, always perfect and, and hindsight is 2020. Um, and, and speaking of hindsight is 2020, I want to talk about now the running back situation, the precarious running back situation the Longhorns find themselves in this weekend um, going into the LSU game. Uh, it, it, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know that Texas only has one scholarship running back healthy for this week, and that's uh, Keontae Ingram. Uh, and they have converted uh, quarterback Roshan Johnson, who got some carries against Louisiana Tech this weekend, and even a linebacker, freshman linebacker David Benda uh, has been converted to running back this week. Uh, Mike, how did Texas end up in this place where uh, – they didn't take a single true running back last year in recruiting. How did how did that? Because that you can say what you want. Jordan Whittington got a groin hurt and they converted him, but still they didn't take a true running back last year in recruiting. And with all of this, uh, all of this going around, it seems like that's that's that miss is is could bite them in the butt. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of things. So they actually did take a running back. They just ran into some really bad luck that Darian Brown had a stroke right. um, and, and and couldn't play. I mean, that's obviously something you're not able to foresee. But even that aside, I think last year we were still saying, hey, there's probably a need to take another running back in this class. And I think they really tried. The problem is, is they got caught chasing the elite guys in the country. And I think when you 
you play in those high leverage games, you have a chance to win really big or lose really big. And, um, you know, last year they just weren't able to finish with any of them. And um, so especially when it came down to Trey Sanders, uh, who eventually went to Alabama and Noah Kane, um, who eventually picked uh, Penn State. You know, Texas was was deep into both of those races, but just couldn't finish them, especially Noah Kane, who they were extremely, extremely close on. Um, and, and that's really where things left it. You know, they go into this season, you know, basically scrambling. And I think you can almost trace this back to mistakes made even back in the transition class when Texas took Tennille Carter instead of Eno Benjamin. And, and, you know, Carter's out of the program. Benjamin's one of the better running backs in the country. Um I think that, you know, if you had, you know, Benjamin in the program right now, things would look a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's a great point and one I hadn't thought of. They also knew early that Kyle Porter was likely to transfer, red, take a redshirt year and transfer, that Tristan Houston just wasn't working out. Uh, I know they kicked the tires on uh, grad transfers at running back as well, but they didn't find anybody that they liked as much as Trey Watson. Um I, and that's even after the Darian Brown situation uh, occurred. Uh, Noah Kane, and, and even, and, and I want to say this, even going after those big name recruits can be a 50 50 proposition beyond signing them. Uh, for example, Trey Sanders, I believe, is out for the season for Alabama already, while Noah Kane had nine carries for Penn State this, this past weekend. So, you signed both of those, you really would have only gotten one of them. You know what I mean? And so, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty, uh, but I I can tell you uh, that uh, Texas would like to have one more scholarship running back going on going into this big tilt with uh, LSU this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I you know I think that they're trying to obviously find two in this class. I think you'll see them take two next class. And um, I, I don't think they'll get caught in this situation again. It's just kind of getting out of the situation that's tough. Yeah. It's a good, good call on the Eno Benjamin uh, discussion there too, Mike. All right, th- let's wrap it up. Uh, this is Bobby Burton for Mike uh, Roach. This has been the State of Recruiting. It's taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, including 247sports.com forward slash podcast. Mike, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Hook them. Hook them. <laughs>